Hello again. We're back. This is Steve Wilson, still going through the book of Matthew. And we're oh, approximately halfway through um, chapter 13. We're going to be picking up on, uh, let's see, verse 24. But let me just kind of go back and make a comment about the uh, first half of the chapter because most of it has been, you know, has revolved around <clears throat> the parable of the sower. And of course, the whole chapter. Um, it, uh, is, it's full of parables. If I'm not mistaken, I think this chapter probably contains more parables than any other chapter in the Bible. Um, but when you kind of s sort of step back, you know, there, there are personal applications in all of these, and, you know, and I've been talking about that, and that's pretty much the way we approach the first half. But when you kind of step back and you take a look at the whole thing, what we're really looking at and I, I think you can see this by some of the phraseology that is used. What you're really looking at is the growth of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And he mentions the kingdom of heaven. Um, in fact, in verse uh, 19, he says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was in his own heart. See, he's the overall focus here is the kingdom. And and so when he starts, let's see, in verse 24, yeah, we're in verse 24, I think I said, um, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened, to a, likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Um, he's using that phrase, kingdom of heaven, and I, I don't recall if I've said this before or not, but uh, Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven predominantly. But what you'll see throughout the, uh, mostly throughout the Gospels, are two terms, kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Uh, and it's kind of important to understand the difference. A lot of people seem to think that they're synonymous and they're not. Um, the kingdom of God is basically all things created. Everything belongs to God. You know, even though Satan is the prince and the power of the air, and he's, he's rested away you know, the earth as a result of the fall, God has relinquished, uh, you know, it to him and everything dies and, you know, it's subject to the penalty of death and all that sort of thing. And so Satan has, I wouldn't say free reign, but, but he, you know, he has pretty much free reign. Um, but, but God does have ultimate control over him. But anyway, the, <clears throat> the kingdom of God, it still belongs to God. And there are certain things that God won't allow to happen. There, you know, He's going to destroy the earth again. And of course, that's what Satan wants to do. But he has to do it on God's timetable. Um, and and there's only so much God allows him to do because he has granted man free will. And Satan, Satan can't take away man's free will. He can try and persuade him, and he's good at it. And uh, he's very persuasive, of course and wins that battle more often than not, but he can't force man to reject Christ. He can only encourage man to reject Christ. Um, and, and you know, there's, there's a number of other things that Satan can't do. So he is limited to what he can't do, but, and that's because everything belongs to God. And so ultimately God is still in control. But then he uses the term kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is basically that which goes to heaven, things that end up in heaven. You know, we are building 
the kingdom of heaven by evangelizing. And of course, we talked in the first part of the chapter, talks about evangelization there and what happens when you go out and you sow the word of God and the different types of ground, you know, in which it falls and how it responds and all that sort of thing. That's evangelism. And the process is designed to grow the kingdom. So that's the overall picture that Jesus is offering. And these, these parables in Matthew 13 kind of logically follow one another. And if you really look at them closely, you will see that they sort of build uh, one upon the other. And, and maybe we'll mention that, I don't know, because I'm kind of doing a lot of this off the cuff. But still, um, he, he starts talking about specifically here in verse 24, the kingdom of heaven and, and, and what, it's, what it's like. Um, we kind of get two visions of it because we can kind of see the kingdom of heaven here on earth because we see those who belong to Christ. And, you know, having a picture of what heaven's going to be like and knowing who we're going to be there with, um, we can sort of envision, and you know, what heaven will be like, what the kingdom of heaven is really like. Um, but we won't really know, of course, until we get there. You know, I'm, I'm a sports fan. I especially like college football, and I especially like uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I follow them, and I follow their recruiting and all that stuff, and I, I get a kick out of watching you know, some of these young men that they're trying to recruit and how even though they're from different schools in different parts of the country, um, they hook up with one another when they start the uh, recruiting process and they go to camps um, and they build relationships, long distance type relationships. Um, and sometimes they play against one another, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, maybe if they're closer locally, their schools play against one another. Um, but they end up on all-star teams and different things like that. So they build relationships with one another, and they begin to talk about, of course, their college choices, and many of them will envision playing together. They'll get together and talk, and they say, well, you know, it would really be cool if, if we could all play on the same team. And so they'll begin to look at schools, and they'll talk to one another. And, you know, in this, this day and age that we live in with, you know, technology being what it is, that's very easy to do, and they can build stronger uh, long-distance relationships as a result of that. And so, oftentimes, these will these these young men will kind of collude uh, for all of them to go to a particular school, or at least two or three of them, you know, a handful of them like that. And, and you know, then they'll all end up at that school. But but it's kind of like the kingdom of heaven picture that you're being given here that. They, they meet one another, they build a relationship, and they begin to talk about, ooh, it's going to be cool if we could all go to the same school. Here's what we could do, this and that and the other, and how neat it would be. And they begin to have all these ideas, and they begin to envision what it's going to be like. Well, that's kind of what heaven is like. We as Christians begin to meet one another and build relationships, and we, and we work in ministry together and some things like that, and we begin to think about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. Uh, and, and so that's what Jesus is doing here. He's building a vision, and he's, he's talking about kingdom growth uh, overall so we can begin to get a more accurate picture of what heaven's going to be like. But he does it by using parables. And only, only people who really know Christ, who really have that desire in their heart, you know, and they have given themselves to the Lord can really adopt 
that vision, a lost person, they cannot envision heaven like a Christian can envision heaven because we can find comfort in many of the things where as a lost person, of course, they don't believe and so they don't believe what they hear. Um, they don't picture it as a reality and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so Jesus then, he, he's giving these parables here and uh, he's talking about, you know, what it's going to be like and what the kingdom of heaven uh, is really like. And so he, he begins to share them. And the first one he does here, uh, as I said in Matthew uh, verse 13, chapter 13, verse 24, um, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But, and, and of course, this, this is obviously very familiar, you know, with the people there because they were an agricultural nation and most people were very familiar, of course, with farming. There was no major industry like we have today. Um, so most, most people are familiar with the farming process. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Um, but when the, the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in, in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, Well, an enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, um, Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. In other words, when you start tearing out the uh, the roots of the uh, the tares, uh, you're liable to dig out. You're liable to rip, uh, rip out the the roots of the wheat. You know that's growing alongside it because they intertwine when they're underground and and that sort of thing. He says, and so his advice in verse 30 says, let both both grow together until the harvest. And in the tar in the harvest in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather ye the wheat into my barn. So here's what he's telling them to do. If you go up and you try to rip the tares out of the ground and leave the wheat, you're going to destroy much of the wheat, you know, because they're intertwined. And he says, Wait, and when we tear it all out of the ground then we can separate it because then we can envision what it is. And, there's, you know, there's, there's a couple things that will happen. One is what I just said, and, you know, they kind of get interlocked. The other is it's sometimes very difficult to uh, to differentiate the wheat from the tares when they're younger and, and uh, haven't fully bloomed and that sort of thing. Then um, sometimes it's hard to tell them apart. And that's kind of what the world is today. Uh, it's difficult sometimes to tell the saved from the lost, unfortunately, because we uh, many times saved people hang on to their worldly ways, and and you know there's a growth process, you know, in their in in our defense. Um, we have to learn the things that we should and shouldn't do, the things that are conducive to Christianity, the things that honor and glorify Christ. Um, it just makes sense that, you know, when as, as you grow and as you mature, you become more unlike the world. You become more definitive in your Christianity. People can look at you and see a difference between you and the world the closer you 
become like Christ, the less you become like the world. And so he's saying, you know, there's there's a there's a maturing process that needs to occur. And uh, you know, when I when I build my kingdom, when my kingdom comes to fruition, uh, I, I'm gonna, you know, it'll be easier then to separate the tares from the wheat, those that came to destroy the things that Satan planted. Um, then, you know, it'll be easier to tell them apart and, you know, I'll have those that I want in my kingdom. Then he does the one about the mustard seed. Another parable in verse 31, put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it's grown, it's the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Um, well, you know, from the, the prior um, parable, we have to learn, and another thing we need to realize in that is that we have to learn to live with the terrors, and we have to overcome their, Im their impact upon us. So life's not going to be easy, but that's just part of the maturing process. In, in the mustard seed, um, again, he's still talking about kingdom growth. And he's telling us that, you know, we, we need to maintain. Our, our faith needs to remain strong. And the stronger it is and the more united we are, the greater it will be. And this, you know, a lot of people just talk, use this and emphasize perhaps an individual. But the truth of the matter is what, what's really happening here is you have this corporate faith, this corporate growth. You know, Christianity starts small and it grows, and you add more people, and you multiply in the evangelistic process. Um, and so as a result, you get stronger and you come, become bigger. And, um, you know, these are things that other people can then see strength in, and they can come. This talks about the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Then others can find comfort in, in the kingdom of heaven and the things that have been built by Christians. And they can they can come and and find ease to their burden, and become a part of it then, um, and become a part of the kingdom growth. So once again, you have yet another parable here that, while it does have individual application, and certainly there is a lot to be said about personal faith. I believe this whole passion uh, passage here is talking about corporate growth, not just individual growth. Um, the growth of our churches and the growth of our fellowship together with other churches who are working for the cause of Christ, in other words, the kingdom of heaven. Um, so I think we're going to have to stop there and uh, pick up the next parable when we come back. Uh, God bless you and have a great day. Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those. Just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the 
lesson. Thank you.